Welcome to College Football Live, presented by Bolt 24. and Alabama. Two of the best. They bring nobility, they bring dignity, they bring honor, and they bring excitement. We got an opportunity to maybe write one of the best stories ever in college football history. He's got a touchdown! Hurling is Harris! Devontae Smith, here we go! The guy you're going to play against may be the best guy you played against all year. This is a feeling like no other. I'm happy. Even it don't matter what we play, it's just about the ball. I'm ready. You don't typically get an opportunity to have a second chance. You can't miss the second time. The latest COVID tests are back. It looks like we're still on track for a Monday night collision between Bama and Ohio State in Miami. Final preparations are being made. We'll figure out what is being added at this point. Plus, for all the talk about offense, there's some stars on the defensive side of the ball. Which one's going to step up? Who's got the biggest challenge? We will get it figured out over the course of the next hour. And what's it actually going to take for either of these teams to win the national championship? We'll give you significant keys to victory all coming up as we get ready for the national championship game presented by AT&T. It's college football live. It's the final countdown in the words of David Pollock. And that means it takes Voltron. It takes a whole team of us to lift up and get ready for this game. David Pollock, Greg McElroy, uh, I'm Jason Fitz. Obviously, we've got a lot to get in. Rod Gilmore, I'm sorry. We've got a lot to get into. I'm looking at my sheets, Rod. I'm excited. So, guys, it's 72 hours <laughs> until kickoff happening right now. So we got to figure out what are the keys for the game. Pollock, what's on your mind is the big storyline in this one. I'm looking at the injury reports and just uh, that's the biggest thing I'm looking at is 17 going to suit up for Bama. I mean, let's get weird. You're talking about Jalen Waddle. You know, you thought he was done for the season and seeing if he's there. But Justin Fields, you know, gets hurt in the semifinal game and you saw him heroically battle back. Um, so I think both of those two guys and how they uh, how they are healthy, how they are practicing, how they are coming along, Greg, is a big deal. No doubt about it, David. And when I look at it, to me, it's all about what's going on with this Ohio State run game, this new Ohio State run game. It's almost like at halftime they said, you know what? We're not going to try to throw the ball on you anymore, Northwestern. We're going to get back to our bread and butter. Here's a zone read. Reading the end man on the line of scrimmage. Guy stays wide. No problem whatsoever. We'll just hand it off to our big glass-eating tailback heading north and south. He's been an absolute monster, Trey Sermon has, for the last few games. Another instance of the zone read right here. The defensive end almost falls down, doesn't know what's going on. Look how out of control he is. He still can't bring down Trey Sermon in the open field. So I can't wait to see if this run game for Ohio State can stay hot against Alabama. Greg, I think this is going to be a high-scoring affair. I mean, I, I think it's going to compare to 2016, you know, with Bama and Clemson, a 45-40 game. You know, Bama's offense is 48 points a game. Ohio State's 43. And both these defenses have been hit up big time this year. Mississippi hit Alabama for 48. Florida got them for 46. Ohio State gave up 35 to Indy. I think this will come down to whichever defense can make a couple of plays that that might make a difference in this game. Well, part of the reason we're talking about defense is because there are some alarmingly good weapons 
in this game, right? We all have been talking about Devontae Smith taking on Ohio State cornered Sean Wade. That's one of the matchups we've got our eyes on. Now, uh, obviously, these guys have been asked about it. This is a little of what they've had to say coming up about their matchup against each other in this one. He's very crafty. He um, mixes his technique up some, and just everything he does, he's um, a technician with everything he does, and he's a great player. With Devontae, he's a great player, very, very shifty, quick and fast. Um, you, you see it on you see it on his highlights. So he, he could do everything in, in the book as a receiver and just really, really looking for that matchup. But at the end of the day, just want to win that game. Nobody's given anybody any billboard material on this. Rod Gilmore. All right, so what does Steve Sarkeesian need to do to get Devontae Smith into the right spaces here? Yeah, well, listen, this is the matchup, and I don't think this is the matchup that Ohio State wants. I think Sean Wade is a terrific corner, but man-to-man -man coverage, I don't believe, particularly press, is not his strong suit. And I think Steve Sarkeesian is going to move um, Devontae Smith around, and he'll be in the slot, he'll be in motion, he'll be out wide. Wade is best when he is off the ball and he's in zone coverage. And when he can do that, he can be effective. But if you ask him to press... You know, there's a lot of bail out on the press, David Pollock, and I think that's that's going to be an issue. I don't like the idea of man-to-man -man coverage against this Alabama team. So I, I, I expect to see him play off and play some three deep, and I think this is an advantage for Alabama if they try to go man. At least that's my view of it, man. No, I, I agree, man. And I don't. First of all, I don't think there's a human being in college football that wants to play man against that dude, anyways. And Sean Wade's natural <laughs> inclination and what he does best is is bail, anyways. But listen, there is no secret, okay? Um, this offense is is just like LSU from a year ago. It's so dang good and it's so pick your poison that you can bring all you want to the table with Sean Wade and with all these guys. They're gonna win and they're gonna score points. So. I think it's, it's, it's interesting. If, if I'm them, I'm going to employ the Arkansas technique more and, and be more conservative. But, um, you know, they're gonna, you just got to realize that they're going to make a lot of plays and you got to hold – it's kind of like tennis. You got to find a way to hold serve occasionally and, and move on. And it's obvious that they're going to give up some yards and they're probably going to give up some points. But what they can't do – and I thought something – that they did a really nice job against Clemson with is that while they gave up six plays that gained more than 20 yards in the ball game against Clemson, they gave up zero plays that gave, that, that gained more than 30 yards to the air. So that's something to take into. That's a massive difference, too. When you think about Alabama, I mean, we've seen them rack up 60, 70, 50-yard plays two or three times a game. So keeping the ball in front and avoiding the matchups like Rod talked about with Sean Wade exclusively against Devontae Smith, I think those are going to be really important because Sean Wade, as good as he is, playing as a slot nickel defender, which is what he starred in in that position last year where he's versatile, he can blitz, he can play zone, he can play instinctively. He's had to move outside now and be a bell cow at corner, and that's not necessarily brought his best football to the forefront. So I think it's going to be a tremendous cat and mouse game because if Ohio State opts to just drop back and keep everything in front, guys, I think that's a bad recipe too because if Alabama knows what's coming, they're going to chop you up for sure. So, Pollock, let me go back to you for a second because you make a great point that they're going to get theirs, but there has to be some way at some point to limit the yardage, doesn't there? I mean, isn't there something Ohio State can do? No. No, there's not. I mean, <laughs> okay. you, know what you, can, you know what you can do, Fitz? 
And listen, I'm a defensive guy. This, this ticks me off, by the way. I'd, I'd love to be able to do that. You make them kick field goals. You're not going to limit yards, bro. You're gonna, <laughs> you can let them pound the ball to Najee and keep two high safeties, but no, there's nothing you can do. All right, well, that's fair. Now, let's remember at the beginning of the year, Devontae wasn't even the number one wide receiver on this team. It was Jalen Waddle who, remember, suffered a fractured right ankle on October 24th. Amazingly, Waddle may be able to play in this game. This is what Coach Saban had to say about the receiver. Now, the issue with injuries is, you know, when a guy does practice, how does he respond to the workload? Um, you know, sometimes if a guy practices one day and gets sore the next, um, you can't practice him the next day. So you just keep sort of trying to build up his workload to where he might be able to play. Uh, so that's a work in progress right now. So you really can't predict, um, you know, where he might be. And then other guys, you know, seem to get stronger as they, every day they practice, they get a little bit better. So um, this is something that we're trying to evaluate, but not anything that we can make any kind of prediction on at this point. McElroy, it almost feels unfair for Alabama to get another weapon, but what kind of impact can Waddle have on this game if he plays? Well, that's the big question because there's always someone that comes, I guess, from obscurity and has a massive role in the national championship, and Jalen Waddle might be next in line. Let's look back over the years, guys. Thaddeus Moss and, of course, Tua Tungabailoa in the national championship coming off the bench and being the savior on second and 26. O.J. Howard put together incredible performances after being a complete afterthought throughout the course of the regular season. You have Hunter Renfro for Clemson, who, of course, stepped into a starring role not once but twice in a national championship setting. So oftentimes guys that are kind of under the radar a little bit end up showing up big on the biggest stages because so much time has been spent by the opposing coaching staff trying to limit what they knowingly do well. So if Waddle does play, and that's a huge if, don't be shocked if he makes a pretty significant impact, David. Yeah, and you know, Greg, you what, I'm Ohio just State, knowing I'm more concerned. My fault. Go ahead. You there, buddy? <laughs> I got it. <laughs> No worries. Go I, if I'm Ohio State, I am way more concerned about Devontae Smith than Waddle. I, I'm still going to double Devontae Smith, and I'll take my chances with Waddle. If Waddle wants to play 40, 50 snaps, and he can do that and be in football shape after being 9, 10 weeks away from it, I get it. I'd be more concerned about John Mechie being that, that underused uh, person, that unexpected superstar who has the huge game. I'm more concerned about him, if I'm Ohio State, than I am about Waddle. At least, uh, Pollock, that's the way I would see it, because I don't think Waddle steps in and plays 50, 60 snaps and hurts me an awful lot. I, I might go Billingsley if, you've had me, if you want me to throw you another name out there, tight end freak show. It doesn't look human either. Uh, listen, here's the thing with Waddle. 17 will scare you regardless. So either way now, Ryan Day and company are, are watching tape of the first four games of the season, and they're watching what Alabama did. And, yeah, they've changed in what they're doing, but they're watching they're, when they stack 17 in the Slim Reaper together, and they're watching the routes that are annoying and so hard to cover. So either way, this is, this is a lot of things to have to think about and worry about. And it doesn't matter what you say about anything about his health. When 17, if you come out there in your Ohio State and you see him across the line of scrimmage, 
you know he can go, and you think he can go regardless. His speed, fear, everybody fears his speed. So just having him out there for a small impact, 10, 15 plays could be huge for Alabama. Even if he can't play, I would at least put him out there in warm-ups. At least get them burning some chalk before oh, the yeah. game. So that way, when all those coaches are looking, oh, 17's up. You guys see 17's down there. <laughs> At least get them thinking a little bit before the ball's even kicked off. A little gamesmanship, guys. Yeah, unexpected contributor to the national championship would be the expected thing to happen after 2020. Remembering Devontae wasn't the guy coming into the year. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. All right, there are other weapons to talk about in this game on the offensive side of the ball. Alabama running back Najee Harris finished fifth in the Heisman voting, but Ohio State's Trey Sermon might be the hottest back in the country. We'll figure out which team has the advantage next. He's not up on a pulpit but he delivers the gospel about power, speed, toughness, and determination to everyone who sees him play. Trey Sermon lets his game do the preaching and his message is getting through loud and clear. College Football Live is presented by Bolt 24, Bolt 24, real advanced hydration from the makers of Gatorade. And in part by Duracell Optimum. You're watching College Football Live, presented by Bolt 24. Three days to the college football playoff national championship game on ESPN. Some of the stuff he does, you probably cannot do in Madden. It's that crazy. He's like an animal. He's wild. He's tough. It takes more than one guy to get him down, and that's a great quality to have as a running back. I've never seen nobody with balance like he has. Just the stuff that he do, and it just be like, how do you stay up? Back comes to the near side, makes the grab. Najee spins away from the defense. Touchdown! I think I'm definitely pressing the triangle button. We definitely jumping over people. I'm hitting the right stick up to just run people over. Najee's got some video game numbers to go with those video game moves. Scored 27 touchdowns this season. One shy of the SEC record and for his career has 44 rushing touchdowns. That's the most in Bama history. As for Sermon, he's rushed for 524 yards. It's simple. Wait, that's just over the last two games. That's the most in a two-game span in Ohio State history. So let's break down the running backs. Rod Gilmore, you got to choose which one of these guys you take and is your favorite back. Oh, you're not making it easy on me, are you? Man, no. you know, the, these are the two top running backs since December 1st. You know, Harris is 495 yards. Sermon has 636. If pressed, I'm taking Najee Harris. No, no disrespect, but he is a more versatile back. He is a guy who catches the ball out of the backfield. I mean, he had 36 catches uh, this season, and he's a real threat out of the backfield. So, to me, that's the real difference. But, you know, DP, I got to tell you, when Sermon gets that ball and Ohio State is running that stretch play or the wide zone, his vision and the way he hits that, he's as good as anybody in college football. So I wouldn't be surprised if you picked him. 
So disrespectful, Rod. I mean, did you hear that, Trey? He thinks nothing <laughs> of you. He thinks Najee's way better than you. That's not what he said. He said both are great. Um, I just I, I like what Trey Sermon's done um, over the past couple weeks, and just I, I think it's it's been fun to watch this Ohio State offense. I think it was centered around Justin Fields to start the season, um, and then you saw the last three games. Ohio State figured out. Wait a minute. This is a lot easier when I hand it to a dude like number eight that can break tackles and keep us on schedule and makes things very, very easy. So I think Trey Sermon's ability, and by the way, he's fresh, he's ready to roll, had a catch, a nice little catch in the Clemson game. I'd like to see him used out of the backfield more. I would, I, I would agree with Rod. I would take Najee too if I had to pick between them, but Trey Sermon's been ridiculous. It's probably going to shock both you guys as a former quarterback. I lean towards Najee because his contributions in the passing game. He now, in the last two years, not just this season, he has become a legitimate dude coming out of the backfield on wheel routes, on option routes, on checkdowns. He can take a short completion, a check down for Mac Jones, and turn it into a 30-yard gain like that. So I think that aspect of his game, the way he's grown and developed and really put a lot of work into that part of his game gives him a slight edge. But right now, as far as the hot hand's concerned, Trey Sermon's the hotter of the two backs. But I still think Najee, with his versatility like Rod alluded to, is the better of the two options long term. And I think his ceiling's higher as well. Two things I'm certain of. Greg McElroy, you're still QB1 to all of us. And number two, this is why I need NCAA football back as a video game, just so I can play with Najee. All right, so <laughs> talk about guys that don't want to be running a lot. One is the quarterback, Justin Fields, obviously not wanting to get running, do much running after taking the hit that he took last week in the college football semifinal. All worried about what his injury status is. This is some of the latest that we've heard on Justin Fields and his injury. Yeah, no real update. Um, don't really give up injury updates. And then, uh, you know, we'll do, um, you know, what we think is best in the game, um, you know, based on our opponent, based on our personnel and where we're at during the game. That's kind of what we've done uh, for every game that, we, that we've been in. And so uh, we'll continue to do that this week. I really haven't, you know, thought about, you know, how this injury is going to affect how I'm going to play. I'm just thinking about getting as much treatment as possible and, trying to get my body right to it to 100 percent to to be able to uh, perform at a max level on monday night there's only one person on this show that was a high level college football quarterback and played with broken ribs so he gets the floor greg mcelroy what effect does this have on fields uh, it depends on the extent of the injury if it's muscular then maybe you can get through it. If it's a bruise, you're still going to feel the pain. If it's broken, you're absolutely still going to feel the pain. And what I know is on game day, he's going to feel great. He's going to be numbed up. He's going to have his shot, and he's going to feel no pain. He'll be able to throw it with no issues whatsoever. What my problem was, at least in leading up to the national championship game, I played with broken ribs on the ninth and 10th on the left side. And, and I didn't have good practices because I was in so much pain in the days and weeks leading up to that game. So therefore the impact on the passing game was felt because of the lack of rhythm and consistency. So hopefully it's a short enough turnaround where it won't have that much of an effect on him. And hopefully he won't feel any pain on game day because they'll be able to numb it up to the point where he has no issues whatsoever. That, that is true, but I still can't get the image of him wincing every time he got on the exercise bike out of my head. All right, coming up, speaking of uh, the championship game, some years everything just lines up, and it feels like a team has destiny on their side. The question is, is it Bama's year? We'll debate it next. College Football Live.
These guys have really earned the opportunity to play in the national championship game. We got an opportunity to go win the whole thing and maybe write one of the best stories ever in college football history. Coming up, what's one thing each team has to do if they want to win the CFP National Championship game presented by AT&T? Our experts will chime in and give you their thoughts. But first, Alabama and Ohio State face off in the National Championship game after an uncertain college football season that was full of postponements, cancellations, and opt-outs. But one thing remained constant throughout the entire season, the Alabama offense. Brad Edwards crunches the numbers on this season's historic Crimson Tide offense. In this unusual college football season, there have been very few certainties. But through all the months of postponements, cancellations, and opt-outs, the one constant has been the dominance of the Alabama offense. He's got a man. Touchdown, Alabama! With that unit having five first-team All-Americans and three of the top five players in Heisman voting, it's been a historical season on many fronts. This is the first offense in FBS history to produce one player with at least 20 rushing touchdowns. Najee Harris, touchdown Alabama. And another with at least 20 receiving touchdowns. Jones goes to the end zone. Oh, what a catch! Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama. All while Mac Jones is on the verge of establishing a new single season record for total QBR. Mac Jones wants it all. Long ball, man there, touchdown. This all contributed to Alabama having the highest offensive efficiency rating in our data set, just ahead of last year's LSU offense, considered by many to be the best in college football history. Since our efficiency metrics began with the 2005 season, that is the only unit with a rating of 95 or better to win a national title. We're right where we want to be. We're excited to finish off strong. Greatness isn't determined by one game but the ending often dictates how greatness is remembered. All right, it's a daunting task to shut them down. Pollock, how do you defend this Bama team as a whole? You don't. <laughs> you keep the ball away from them um, is, a, is a good idea. Um, you hope and pray they drop the ball or uh, some other issues. But listen, I, I think if you want to turn to the best team that did it, it was, it was Arkansas for me. Um, Arkansas rushed three guys 27 times against Alabama. I think the next closest game was seven. Um, so, and what did they limit? They limited Mac Jones to 200 yards passing. Um, Devontae Smith had three catches for 28 yards, and they were down 38 to three at the half. So, I just, I, I, don't, I don't know how to fix it. I don't know how to stop it. It's been an amazing run, and they've got a, the, the unbelievable amount of pick your poison with, with weapons and running game and QB and offensive line. There's just there's no flaw, Rod, so I don't know how to pick at it. Yeah, I mean, no one stopped them yet, and you're right. Arkansas did a lot of drop eight, drop seven, and Notre Dame did too. Look, there, there are two things I know you can't do with this offense. You cannot give up the big play. You give up a big play, you're, you're in trouble. They, they have 25 touchdowns of 20 yards or more, second in the country. That's a, that's a huge problem. They have 79 plays of 20-plus yards. They just 
gouge you with the big play. So you have to drop eight, drop seven, play zone, and keep the ball in front and try and tackle. And by the way, don't try and blitz these guys, Greg. It's a problem because Mac Jones is fantastic against the blitz. 17 touchdowns against one pick when he's been blitzed. So just, just don't even try. Don't even try. <laughs> There's three things that you have to do. One, you have to mix things up constantly because if you are playing the same defense down in, down out, Steve Sarkeesian, Mac Jones, and company are going to carve you apart. Number two, you can't give up plays over the top like Rod alluded to. Keep the ball in front of you. Absolutely have to keep it in front. And then finally, you have to be great along the interior of the defensive line. So Haskell Garrett for the Buckeyes has to win his one-on-ones. Jonathan Cooper's got to create some opportunities off the edge. Those defensive linemen, all four of them and all eight that will be on the rotation for the Buckeyes, they have to be better than they've ever been. And if they are, then they have a chance of slowing down the run game and allowing seven guys to drop into, pass, into the pass coverage to take away some of those deep plays down the field. All right, obviously we'll continue to break down the national championship game. But, gentlemen, we have some breaking news across the college football landscape. We can now say that Jim Harbaugh has told 24-7 Sports that he has signed a contract extension to remain the head coach of University of Michigan. It's reportedly a five-year uh, contract. It's also been reported by Adam Schefter. At this point, we do know that it's a five-year deal, it looks like, for him to remain with Michigan in what is reportedly an incentive-laden contract. So, David Pollock, we'll start with you. What do you think of the move for Michigan, five years, and Harbaugh? I think you got to think about why they did it. They did it to, to hold recruiting together, to hold the thing together. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a contract that's not going to – it's not going to have a large buyout, meaning – if they want to move on from Jim Harbaugh in the near future, I think they can do that. Um, but I just – Harbaugh's been – it's been interesting, man, because recruiting's been so up with him in his tenure, and it started off so good. And then it looked so bad this past year. So there's, there's – something has to change with this Harbaugh regime, and obviously firing your D.C. He's also fired his, himself and his O.C. and made changes. So – I don't know how much – this doesn't mean Harbaugh is going to be the coach for the next five years. This means that they're locking him up for recruiting purposes, and, and we'll see how it goes next year. You know, Paul, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think they're buying time. It, it sort of feels like, you know, both of them kind of looked around and they're like, yeah, should we break up? Uh, I don't know. We'll give, a, we'll give it a little Who bit longer. Who else is out see. there? I mean, it has that sort of feel to it. Yeah, you know, nothing else out there gets me excited. So let, let's see if we can keep this relationship going for another year or so. So, you know, the base salary gets reduced significantly. Um, you know, we'll see how the players respond, you know. I mean, does he still have their ear? Does he still have the voice that commands, you know, the players on that team, Mac? And, you know, does it give them a lift in recruiting? And honestly, new doesn't always mean better. That's the biggest thing, is that just because they decide for whatever reason to part ways, you have to know without a shadow of a doubt the guy that you're going to bring in to replace Jim Harbaugh is in fact better than Jim Harbaugh. And I don't know if they could make that guarantee. There was talks of overtures amongst Matt Campbell and speculation about other people that were interested and potentially interested. But who knows? Ultimately, Jim Harbaugh is a pretty solid coach. Is he a super elite coach in the same era as Ryan Day and Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney? Maybe not. 
but he's a pretty dang solid coach. And there is a very high likelihood that they could have downgraded if they would have parted ways right now, given the challenges that COVID has put on the administration in Michigan and the finances of Michigan as well. But a program like Michigan, at least in concept, McElroy, isn't worried about the fear that they might take a step backward. They still believe that they're one of the elite. Right now, there's a massive difference between where Ohio State is and where Michigan is. Greg, do you believe that Harbaugh can even close that gap realistically? No, because there's not, they don't, they're not on the same playing field. We've seen Ohio State win how many consecutive Big Ten championships? And I think the last time Michigan won one was back in 2004. They've won two conference championships since 97, and they've won one national championship in the last 57 years. So, no, they're not on the same playing field. And I know, yes, all-time wins, all-time most Big Ten championships, all that other stuff is great. But the realities of where Michigan is right now is that Ohio State is on another level. Michigan is trying to close that gap, and I don't know if Jim Harbaugh can do it or not, but then again, I don't know if anyone can do it. There is a legitimate gap there that's existed for quite some time, and I think it's going to take a complete overhaul to catch up with Ohio State, who has distanced themselves not just from Michigan, but from the rest of the Big Ten as well. So, Pollock, is this not an admission, then, that Have Michigan is comfortable? Have you seen the last two Michigan-Ohio State games? I mean, isn't this some level of admission? Michigan's, Michigan is saying, we know who we are, we know we're this, this tier, and that's just the way it's going to be. Is that not what they're saying, Pollock? Yeah, I, I mean, listen, I, I think we, we've seen Harbaugh and we've seen what he is. I, I don't expect things to change dramatically. Shoot, I think Michigan fans will be jacked if it can go back to what it was in the early years with Harbaugh, because again, this program was going really far down and, and he was able to, to get it back up. So he was able to get it going in the right direction and get uh, recruits there again and to make it exciting again, but a mission or whatever, the gap between them and Ohio State is enormous. It's huge. The gap between Ohio State and everybody in the Big Ten is huge, but Michigan thinks they can do something about it. So that would require probably in the near future getting somebody you think can go toe-to-toe with Ryan Day and be an elite recruiter and be an elite developer of talent. Get quarterbacks. Get offense that you haven't seen at Michigan for a hot minute. Rod, how do you find that person? How do you find somebody that is great at all of those things? Well, it's not easy, obviously, but, you know, Jim Harbaugh has been for a long time an elite quarterback coach, yet he struggled with his last couple of guys at Michigan. And I think the other thing that you're seeing, you know, at Michigan with, with Harbaugh is that that offense has to evolve a little bit more to be more dynamic, you know. Uh, I, I know he's wedded to the fullback and the tight end, but, you know, it, it's, it's a little bit of a relic today. I mean, you've got to be a little bit more explosive. So whether Harbaugh is the guy or someone else is the guy, uh, Michigan has to evolve a little bit more offensively. Is anyone in the room surprised that Harbaugh would take an incentive late, given the fact that we saw so many rumors over the last few weeks that an NFL team would take a look at Harbaugh? Uh, McElroy, are you surprised that Harbaugh would take a contract that essentially says win if you really want to get paid? I think it's mutually beneficial because Harbaugh, if he performs, and look, he's the ultimate competitor. Say what you want about Jim Harbaugh. He has a higher standard for himself than anybody that's watching, watching the maize and blue over the last few years. So he has a remarkably high standard for himself, and he's also an alum. So he'll give a school-friendly deal right now, but I'm going to get paid if I perform. So I actually like the deal for both Michigan and for Jim Harbaugh because 
you can make money by, by putting forth an incredible product, and if you don't perform, then the school's not gonna be shouldered with the burden of a significant salary. So I think it's great, and I'm glad that both sides could come to an amicable agreement to, that this is the best way to move forward. All right, we're just getting we're started the with the- We're in the wrong business, guys. We're in the <laughs> wrong business when Fitz is talking about. Man, I'm glad Harbaugh took that pay cut, bro. Team-friendly like, deal. Team-friendly deal. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> team-friendly, $4 million. A lot of money. Sign me up. A lot of money. Rich is a relative term, my friends. Okay, <laughs> we'll keep breaking this down. This is the big news. We're going to get you more of uh, what's happening right now as Jim Harbaugh has signed an extension. We'll keep breaking it down next on College Football Live. Uh, in the meantime, join us virtually for the College Football Playoff All-Access Experience. Exclusive content, games, and prizes are available. Visit collegefootballplayoff.com forward, uh, forward slash all access for more information. Welcome back to College Football Live, presented by Bolt 24. We're around 72 hours from the national championship game, but the biggest headline right now in college football, Jim Harbaugh has signed a four-year extension through the 2025 season. He had one year remaining on his existing contract that will keep him uh, on con in, uh, it'll keep him under contract for five years at this point. So we know that Jim Harbaugh will be remaining at Michigan. We've been talking a little bit about it, and I guess I'll ask the question of what the cost of relevance is. Pollock, you made a point earlier that Michigan was on the decline before Harbaugh came in. At the very least, he's made them an interesting story that we talk about consistently. How much should brand recognition matter when, when schools are considering keeping a coach? I mean, I think expectations at different schools are different. Look, look at Texas, right? I mean, high expectations, who they bring in, who they they are and, and Michigan's no different. They they think that they should be better. By the way, they were laughing stock this year. They were they were miserable. So I, I think they should definitely expect more. Um, you know, listen. I, I also have seen coaches that are very successful have to change offensive coordinators, have to change defensive coordinators to sometimes get it right. But it, it's it's a tough gig when it comes to you know measuring yourself against Ohio State because Greg, even when he won those years and had ten win seasons and was highly ranked, what did we say? Well, he's not beating Urban Meyer. He's not beating Ohio State. So expectations in Michigan are definitely different than a lot of places. In fairness, he was quite literally a quarter of an inch away from beating Ohio State and winning the Big Ten a couple <laughs> years back. But that's a so long close. time ago, <laughs> back when their personnel was legit. Because, guys, I don't care what the circumstances are. You can tell me about how wide that gap is, all this other stuff. I had a coach that was formerly on Ohio State staff tell a group of people that kind of relayed its way out the circles, and they basically said, we haven't beat Michigan on a player in years, meaning they're not recruiting the same caliber of player. And when you really think about it, that's a real problem because we're expecting Michigan to contend, and yet their recruiting rankings and their ability to attract five-star and four-star upper-tier prospects is way, way behind that of who they're chasing. Even Penn State has surpassed yeah. Michigan in a lot of ways with the type of players they're able to bring in. So it's a real problem. And that's where they need to really address the issues, not with their offensive and defensive mentality, not with their coordinators on both sides of the ball, but how can they get 
better players with higher ceilings on campus and coach them up to the greatest ability that they could possibly get. Well, Greg, to your point, the one thing that stands out to me when I see Michigan is lack of speed. They don't have the same kind of speed that we see with the other elite teams, with Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State. They're not attracting guys who can run. And I'm not just talking about skill guys. I'm talking about linebackers, you know, who can cover uh, in the passing situations or run sideline to sideline or defensive linemen who can chase down a quarterback. The speed differential is huge. And that's recruiting, and Harbaugh's got to step that up. Now, whether he finds those guys down in Florida or Texas or Ohio, he's been criticized for not recruiting Ohio enough, uh, it's got to get stepped up. They need more speed at that place. So, Rod, let me follow there for a second, because uh, everything you said makes total sense. But realistically, Jim Harbaugh has never had more shine on his name at Michigan than he did when he first got there. Now we've seen years of, is Harbaugh good enough? Is Michigan good enough? It feels like some of that shine has dulled in some ways to people that aren't Michigan fans. So if the sales pitch hasn't already worked, why will the sales pitch work now when he's sitting in a living room saying, I need you to help Michigan? Yeah, I, I don't know. It may not work, but, you know, he, he's got to go after it, and he's got to have assistants who uh, can be persuasive and have connections at the high school level in those places. We're talking Florida and Texas. You know, he's, he needs that. So whether he can flip the script now and, and persuade uh, the right kind of uh, players to come to Michigan and get the speed that he needs there, I don't know. It may not change, and if it doesn't, he's probably not going to be there much longer. Is it fair, guys? He needs – Fitz, Fitz, he needs a quarterback. By the way, we were having the same conversation for a lot of years about LSU. How did they get over the Bama hump? Joe Burrow. They brought in a new passing game coordinator. They opened it up, and it, yeah. it went unbelievable. Now it went south this year. But Michigan is second fiddle to Ohio State. They need a quarterback, man. They, they, that's what Harbaugh did. Harbaugh was the same guy that, you know, he, he yanked the cord and he put in a guy like Colin Kaepernick. You know, he, he, he made that sub and changed his offense and morphed it and went to a Super Bowl, for God's sakes, in the NFL. They need a quarterback. They need an offense. We can talk about wide receivers, and we can talk but about – speed my god they need a but trigger DP, man here's here here's your problem though most of the guys who are quarterbacks are guys that are are, are trained coming out of high school in the spread and the run and shoot that's not who harbaugh is harbaugh is a pro style quarterback coach he was that guy and he's elite at that so there's a huge transition for guys trying to learn to play quarterback the way he wants them to so he, he may have guys who are talented, but fitting into his system and the way he coaches quarterbacks hasn't really worked yet. So either you're going to flip the system or you're going to find the rare Andrew Luck out there that will get there and, and will work it for you. Quarterbacks obviously big, and the fact that they've swung and missed there so many times is pretty remarkable. I hope they found one in McNamara. We'll see. But I think they just need to make Michigan relevant 
to the players nowadays. Guys, some of the guys that will be signing in the 2022 recruiting class was, were one and two years old the last time Michigan won a Big Ten championship. That's a problem. And oftentimes, much of the conversation around Michigan has been riddled with failure, riddled with we're not good enough, we haven't closed the gap, Harbaugh's doing this, Harbaugh's doing that. Is he going to the NFL? Is he going to stick around? Is he going to get a new coordinator? For whatever reason, everything about Michigan is always so negative, and that's the problem. Now, do they get built up in the preseason? Sure, but we're the fastest ones to shoot them down the second they have a subpar performance. So I think they have to just make, make Michigan feel cool again, make it feel like a destination again, because for me and Rod and for David, my goodness, is there a cooler place than Michigan? No, it's amazing. And I'm not sure that recruits feel that way now, given their shortcomings in the last five or six years. Well, everything you, you what, just we just spent yeah. two segments. We just spent two segments of our show talking about Michigan. So apparently we're keeping them relevant. We're talking about them. But, uh, <laughs> but was any of it positive? Was any of it positive? Not one positive mention outside of the real close call on fourth down and short when JT Barrett picked up the first down. I'm positive of this. No matter what happens over the course of the next few years in this contract, we will continue constantly to talk about Jim Harbaugh. Here's a statement from Michigan Athletic Director War Manuel, who says, I continue to believe that Jim is the right man to lead our program in pursuit of Big Ten and CFP championships. Our program didn't achieve at a level that anyone expected this year, but I know those setbacks will drive the coaches, players, and staff moving forward. Jim is a tireless worker and competitor. Following the completion of the season, we talked for many uh, what I uh, what it will take for Jim to lead and get us back on the right trajectory. So Michigan seems to think that they've still got their man, and uh, we'll see what it means moving forward. All right, we're going to keep breaking this down, but we've also got a national championship game to break down. We'll do all of that coming up, College Football Live. Uh, we'll keep uh, handling the chaos. The College Football Playoff Foundation is the largest sports entity supporting education in America this year. College football went big to show support for educators, recognizing their hard work, long hours, and dedication to their students. ESPN is proud to continue to support the CFP Foundation. Together with conferences, schools, and bowl games, thousands of teachers have been directly impacted by the joint effort. For more about Extra Yard for Teachers, follow CFP Extra Yard on behalf of all of us. Thank you, teachers. Alabama and Ohio State. Alabama looks every bit like number one. He's got a touchdown, Ohio State. The National Championship game presented by AT&T, January 11th on ESPN. Let's take a look at our Progressive Bowl Challenge Cup. The Big 12 finished the bowl season 5-0, matching the best record by a conference in a single bowl season. With one game remaining, Alabama and Ohio State will look to add a win for their respective conferences. Also, we want to throw out a congratulations to this year's recipient of the William V. Campbell Trophy presented by Mazda. That's Memphis quarterback Brady White. Really incredible kid. Incredible story for him as he transfers from Arizona State to Memphis as a part of the resurrection of that program. Had the opportunity to talk to him after he won the award last night. An incredible moment for him. Congratulations for winning the William V. Campbell Trophy presented by Mazda. What are the specific things that need to happen for each team to win? We'll get the keys to victory next on College Football Live. 
College Football Live is presented by Bolt 24. Bolt 24, real advanced hydration from the makers of Gatorade. Tonight, the Clippers and Warriors highlight our ESPN NBA doubleheader. Big weekend for us. Plus, we'll have the Ravens-Titans wildcard game Sunday on ESPN and ABC, as well as the national championship game between Alabama and Ohio State Monday. Let's look at our big lineup for the weekend. All right, guys, keys to victory. Greg McElroy, Ohio State wins if... They have to force a couple turnovers, two specifically at the bare minimum, and they have to impose their will on the run game. If they can get Trey Sermon going, which leads to some play action shots down the field, I think their offense might be able to move the football with some consistency. Greg, three things for them. One, can't give up explosive plays. Got to limit it to seven or fewer 20-yard plays for Alabama. Two, they got to win the turnover battle. They got to be plus two in that area. And then finally, they need a play in the special teams area, whether it's a block punt or a return. Something like that, Pollock. They got to get 40, boys. They got to get 40-plus if they're going to win this football game. So they better score, 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 and score a lot, Fitz. All right, so let's flip the pace to the other side. Greg, Bama wins if... They have to hit some downfield shots, create some big plays in the passing game. That's been their bread and butter all season long. And the offensive line, the Joe Moore award-winning offensive line, is the best group of five across the board. They have to keep Mac Jones' jersey clean. That's a disruptive front from Ohio State, and they have to be excellent in pass protection to allow some of those downfield shots to develop, Rod. Be who you are, Alabama. You're a big play team, and you got to bring that. you got to get 10 or more big plays in the passing and the run game. And then the second thing, most importantly, your MVP is Najee Harris. He's got to run for 100 yards plus, and he's going to catch five or six balls. That's going to get it done. Pollock? Well, be who you are, but not in the SEC championship game on defense and not in the Ole Miss game on defense. I, I think it's the defensively. Can you, can you step up and get a few stops? Can you get a few turnovers? Can you make something happen and not just ride the coattails of your defense to this championship? Alabama used to be known as a defensive team. Let's see if the defense can step up a few times and give that offense ball, the ball back because then it could be ugly. Uh, you guys all missed the obvious point here. I mean, what you got to do to win the game is score more points than the other team. I gave you all an easy out to this. That's why I was never great at school. You're welcome. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, we've obviously we've got a lot to break down uh, over the course of the weekend. Every one of us is going to be on different shows uh, getting ready for this game. I just want to take a second and at least acknowledge, hey, we got here. A lot of us didn't think months ago that we would even get to the chance to see a national championship game. So for whatever we see this weekend, whatever the game looks like on Monday, let's at least take a moment and appreciate that a few months ago we were all being asked questions about whether we could even see a national championship game. So kudos to everybody that seems to have safely gotten us here. Before we do get out of here, we want to take a second and acknowledge one of the talented people behind the scenes. It takes a lot of people to make this show happen. One of the best of them, Todd Snyder. Todd was filling in while our regular producer was out on maternity leave. Everything Todd touches is better, and we're all better for the opportunity to get to work with him. We can't thank Todd enough for his hard work, his dedication to this show, his dedication to every show he works on, and all of the great 
things he's brought all of us as, as a result of getting to work with him. Gentlemen, it's been a blast. It's been a wild ride getting to hang out with you guys for an hour today. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the game. Monday, you will all get to see it. We will have a national championship game for David Pollock, for, for Greg McElroy, for Rod Gilmore. I'm Jason Fitz. Thanks for hanging out with us. <laughs>